pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. In villages along Japan's coastline, you can find large stone tablets erected by past residents called tsunami stones. These tablets, some up to 10 feet tall and several centuries old, stand as lonely sentinels bearing warnings of past tsunamis that caused devastation to various villages. One tablet, a four-foot stone in the village of Anayoshi, reads, High dwellings are the peace and harmony of our descendants. Remember the calamity of the great tsunamis. Do not build any homes below this point. This stone stands as proof that the village was once vulnerable to the catastrophic effects of a tsunami. But how do you address a problem that can't be prevented or even predicted? The villagers showed that preparation was the answer. Rather than focus on the probability of a tsunami, an event they couldn't control, they instead assessed how a tsunami would impact their lives and homes should it occur. Understanding that the outcome would be catastrophic, the villagers built their homes above the elevation of the tsunami stone. So in March 2011, when a magnitude 9.1 earthquake struck off the coast of Japan, it created a devastating tsunami whose waters rose over 127 feet at its highest point. Across many of Japan's other coastal cities, thousands of people perished and countless homes were destroyed. Partly because the ancient warnings from their area's stones were ignored. But the highest point of the tsunami occurred at a remarkable place, just 300 feet downhill from the Aniyoshi tsunami stone. Because the villagers built and maintained their homes above this stone, 11 homes and 34 people survived a devastation that still affects part of the country even today. Now, this account is an example of a philosophical concept from author Nassim Taleb called fragility, a measurement of the integrity of the system against uncertainty. In the context of risks and uncertainty, something is fragile when it's susceptible to unknown risks. When dealing with the unknown, such as when an earthquake or a tsunami will occur, it's much easier to determine something's fragility or vulnerability than it is to predict the probability of a scenario occurring. In the context of our spiritual lives, trials and personal temptation to sin are the means by which our fragility is tested. Everyone deals with various temptations and trials differently. Although we are all susceptible to sin, how that sin manifests in our lives greatly depends on what temptations we are susceptible to. In other words, what we're fragile to. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8-10, through 10, Peter offers this wisdom to the faithful. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being ex experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, 
confirm, strengthen, and establish you. If I told you you're going to face a temptation that you would fail against at an exact place and exact time, well, every sin could be avoided by just not being where it would occur. But that's not how temptation works. A certain desire may tend to emerge in certain circumstances, but selfish desire is not confined to one place any more than a natural disaster is forecasted for one time. Sinful desire originates from the heart, crouching like a lion, ready to pounce. But until it presents itself, it remains an unknown that we could very well be susceptible towards. So we're called to be vigilant, and we're called to be mindful. It does little good to predict when we'd be tempted in a way that we'd fail, but to assess how we'd be affected if we succumb to sin would show us what we're fragile towards. We can't control when we're tempted, but we can build up our resolve for when it occurs. The Lord Jesus Christ, in one of his most well-known parables, illustrated this very concept in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. The wise and the foolish, though different in mindset, different in outcome, had one thing in common. They knew storms would come in their lives. But nowhere in this parable does it say that either of them knew when. Our reaction to Jesus' words and his teaching, his calling to a new way of life, doesn't do anything about when the storms and trials will emerge in our lives. If we shrug off the warnings and ignore the tsunami stones from our past, it won't change how heavy the rain falls, how vigorously the earth shakes, or how high the waters rise. But we will be fragile to the storm and will be faced with spiritual disaster in our lives. However, if we hear Jesus' words and do them, we could be far better than resilient against uncertainty. We could be what Taleb calls anti-fragile, not just staying the same in the face of adversity, but improving because of it. Rather than suffering from the trials in our lives, we could benefit from them. And Paul explained this to the believers in Rome, in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, where it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
one of the most frequent requests I get for a devotion topic is decision-making. How do you make better decisions in heat of the moment? And I guess you can say I've become pretty proficient at it only because I'm so good at making terrible decisions. And I've found the worst decisions I've made in my life, the ones that led me astray in my walk, were the ones I felt were unlikely to happen to me in the first place. In thinking that a specific temptation was unlikely to me because of the way I live my life or the way I held myself, I neglected to honestly examine how fragile I was. In the times that I thought I, I was proud and strong in my faith, those are the times I watched as spiritual disaster came and show me what a facade that was. Now, all I can do, I can put up tsunami stones in my heart to warn my future self, to build on higher spiritual ground, to remember past calamity. But maybe you, maybe you can learn from my mistakes. Maybe you can examine your resolve in the face of vulnerability instead of probability. Because the truth is, when it comes to making good decisions, meaningful decisions, you can't wonder whether a situation is going to come in your life. You've got to ask yourself, how will this affect me? How will this wreak havoc on my mentality? What kind of spiraling effect will it have on my view of myself, my self-worth, my relationship with God? What will that do? You're not going to know that in the heat of the moment. But you'll know by looking at it in the past, in hindsight, how fragile you were. And I hope that where you find fragility in your life, you will allow God to dwell in your heart and to build you up. And I can't think of a better passage other than 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 11 to finish up. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to thank you for listening to another devotion on Pause to Consider. If you like this podcast, I hope you share it with your friends and with your loved ones. If you have questions for me, comments, feedback, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com. If you want to listen to more material like this, you can subscribe to Pause to Consider on Apple Podcasts or your preferred streaming platform. And if you'd like to know more about my faith and what I believe about the Bible, visit thisisyourbible.com to find out more and to get a personal tutor about how to learn to read your Bible. And I pray that above all else that this was helpful for you today. And I pray that God will continue 
to bless you until we meet again, whether it be on my next devotion or in God's kingdom. God bless.